Good morning, the afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And the week we've all been waiting for has finally arrived. Despite the COVID-19 pandemic forcing the sports world to press pause, the National Football League soldiers on with the 2020 NFL Draft, which begins just 72 hours from the time I speak these words, albeit in a fully virtual setting. From Thursday through Saturday, teams will be making picks from their basements and dining rooms as opposed to their respective facilities. Commissioner Roger Goodell will be announcing those picks from the basement of his suburban New York City home as opposed to the ESPN studios at Bristol, Connecticut. And the brass, coaches, and scouts for all 32 clubs will congregate via video conference as opposed to together in the same spot. Because of that, and the lack of info reporters, scouts, and team doctors have due to this pandemic, this promises to be arguably the most unpredictable draft in NFL history. While drafts are always unpredictable, and while I always get excited on draft week, I don't think I've ever been more pumped for an NFL draft in my entire lifetime. Have you, Matt Barr? I have not. Actually, this is really exciting because not only do my 49ers have two first-round picks now, and they're going to be doing some wheeling and dealing, but also, like you said, there is so much randomness that is going to come with this draft. And Teams are going to be up against the clock because they're trying to do all this stuff. You know, from a video conferencing standpoint, they had the 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 mock draft today, and they said there's a little bit of a hiccup at the beginning. So it'll be interesting to see if anyone's uh, kids kick them off because they're using the Wi-Fi <laughs> to play iPad games. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. When you look at some of these players that have question marks, teams didn't get their hands on them. David Gettleman didn't get to sniff them. So I don't know really what's going to happen here. It's it's really going to be wild. We heard Daniel Jeremiah talk about it, where he said this is going to be a draft where everyone is wrong. All the mocks are wrong. Everyone is going to be so wildly off because the team boards don't have the same group think like they usually do. Oh, absolutely. And Ian Rappaport said the same thing, but a GM uh, said to him that nobody is going to be more wrong on mock drafts this year uh, compared to other years because uh, teams, uh, there is a lack of group think that's going on, but group think, uh, is often a detriment. So I think this lack of group thing could um, set a precedent for future drafts. I agree. I agree because these teams start to, you know, they start to talk to each other. All the scouts get together. They all go to the same pro days. They all start to see the same things. And once you're forced to kind of take a step back and watch just pretty much just the tape and no, you're not communicating with other teams as much, you come to your own conclusions and all these teams are going to have these guys rated just so wildly different. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see who values certain players and who who doesn't value others. Uh, it's going to be fun to find out the truth starting on Thursday night. And before we do our final mock, let's discuss the latest uh, pre-draft buzz in a game of buy or sell. And Chris Mortensen uh, said today on ESPN that of all the teams being discussed as strong candidates to trade up, the Atlanta Falcons are expected to be the most aggressive, and they could move up all the way to the top five. So, buy or sell. The Falcons will trade up to the top five and take Jeffrey Okuda if the Lions pass on him at three or move down to six. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda, not necessarily everybody's number one corner because, again, the group think is gone. So some people have C.J. Henderson higher than Okuda. Um, but the Falcons did just lose Marcus Trufant. They, they're a middling defense right now. They need help in the secondary Badly. There's their team is kind of in flux. They don't know what they want to be. They don't know if they're rebuilding or or retooling or if they want to start it all over. So I I will buy that they are going to be aggressive. And I think they're gonna be overly aggressive and give up a little bit too much trying to think they can get the one player, Okuda, that's gonna fix their defense. Oh yeah, so that is Desmond Trufant, by the way. Marcus is his uh, way older brother. And uh, oh, correct. And uh, Jeffrey Okuda uh, is going to be a much better pro than Desmond Trufant ever was, in my opinion. And he is perfect, exactly what the Atlanta Falcons need uh, on that defense. And especially since uh, Thomas Dimitrov is apparently on his last legs as general manager and Dan Quinn is on the utmost of short leash leashes. So, uh, it, so it only makes perfect sense why they're going to be overly aggressive uh, on Thursday night. And speaking of aggressiveness, I don't think that's the only aggressive move you're going to see within the top ten. The run on wide receivers will begin earlier than most expect, with two wide receiver DD teams trading up to the 8-10 to 10 range to get their guy. I'm going to say 
false. I'm, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell on that one. Just because I, I think the receivers are going to fall a little bit this year. I, I think they're going to, I think you're going to get to 13 when the Niners pick for the first time and two of the three guys are going to be there. I don't see the huge run starting early. I don't feel the need for teams to trade up to get these guys just because of how deep the wide receiver class is from top to bottom. You know, the Ravens GM was out saying that you can get a starter in a fifth round. So I just think teams are going to value wide receivers a little bit less. Yeah. That, you know, the top three guys, CD lamb, Jerry, Judy and Henry Ruggs. But I don't see teams giving up a ton of capital to move up just to get that guy because they can kind of sit and wait for wide receivers to fall in their lap all throughout the draft. Oh, uh, Benjamin Albright, our uh, mutual friend from Pro Football Network, actually disagrees because several around the league tell him that there is a sizable gap between the top four or five receivers, uh, whoever they are, and the and, and the rest. And that's why I kind of have a feeling that uh, that run's going to um, – start even earlier that's why i personally buy but i definitely understand your sentiment but that said nobody knows for sure and we shouldn't be surprised if either one of us is correct or if both <laughs> of us are wrong so um yeah it, it, this this year especially the, the top three wide receivers it's the, it's one of the biggest question marks is when does the run start where do they go do any of these guys drop you never know really what you're gonna see um yeah so it's just it's a wait and see thing and that's what makes this draft so exciting Yes, and another point for Benjamin Albright, watch the Broncos and the Eagles as potential trade-up candidates to that particular range. So that is uh, the buzz that's going around on that front as well. And let's talk about the Dolphins, who with three first-round picks, they are actually quite a bit of a wild card at five. If the Dolphins want two in Tugavailoa, they'll take one of the four offensive tackles at five, Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, or Mekhi Becton. And they'll be able to stand pad at 18 where it'll fall into their lap. Buy or sell? I'm I'm moving towards buy. I, I think two is going to slide. I really do. I think this is one of those players we were talking about earlier when teams failed him on the physical. They're not sure if he's going to be ready to go. You know, week one, they're not sure if he's going to be ready for training camp or anything. There's, there's some reports saying he won't be ready till November. So I think he's going to slide. I think I don't know if they can stand pad and get him at 18. Because I think some teams, like maybe the New England Patriots, start to see to a fall, and they trade way up to get him. I don't know if he'll make it to 18, but I do think he slides. Yeah, and also, um, I talked about this on Saturday night on my uh, Facebook Live uh, uh, program with uh, Bill Rossetti, who will be co-hosting our um, draft night live stream. And uh, I bet you the Raiders as a sleeper candidate for Tua because they don't Mm -hmm. like Derek. They don't. They really don't like Derek Carr. They, they're convinced he's not the answer. Uh, that at, that buzz has been percolating since December, for crying out loud. So if Tua falls, um, you could see Mike Mayock get a little aggressive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and John Gruden, I think, might want to handpick his own quarterback too. And if he is really high on Tua, this could be his chance because Tua is a, a guy that I don't think the Raiders ever really thought they would have a chance at originally when they're looking at they were drafting twelfth. I don't think they ever thought they were going to get to us. So now that they might be able to get him, they might have been ramping up the tape and looking at looking at at him through Alabama before the injury. It, I could see that being a match, especially if Tua said he, you know, he kind of might want to sit for the first year. He'd be okay with that. The Raiders can let Derek Carr do his thing, let Tua learn, you know, hand him the keys towards the back end of the season, and then go into year two with a little bit of momentum. Yeah, that kind of uh, goes back to your point on why you think uh, the wide receivers might fall a bit, including uh, the top three. Some people say, oh, the Jaguars, they released Marquis Lee today. They were going to release him anyway because he's always hurt. That means they're going to take a wide receiver at nine. Not necessarily. They're not a lock to take a wide receiver at nine. The Jets need a wide receiver, but they're no lock to take one at 11. There's an equally good chance they take a tackle. The Raiders aren't necessarily a lock to take one at 12, especially if Tua falls, and they really love Tua. And uh, the 49ers at 13, God knows. Like, uh, we will <laughs> like, like it's a complete mystery where this wide receiver run will start. It could start as early as 8 to 10. It could start um, even after 13 at like 14 or 15. Yeah, that is a complete wild card. And it's all the wide receivers, and it all depends on how the top 10 falls. And if, if tackles start to fall, you know, then the wide receivers are going early. If wide receivers start, it means the tackles are all going early. So, there's a whole there's so many moving pieces here it's oh man i keep saying it's gonna be exciting to watch but it really is i i I haven't been this pumped for a draft in a long time oh neither have i and staying on the dolphins for a a second there has been buzz that the quarterback they might look at after Tua isn't one you think they'll target so 
if the Dolphins actually do not want Tua Tungavailoa, they will wait until 26 overall to take a quarterback, and that quarterback will be Jordan Love as opposed to Justin Herbert. Buy or sell? I'm going to sell because I don't think Jordan Love's going to be there at 26. I don't. I, I, I think Jordan Love goes higher. I think somebody trades up for him. Um, there's a team that you got to keep your eye on to trade up for him. Indianapolis. They just signed Phillip Rivers to be a Band-Aid to hold off. And Jordan Love is a guy that pretty much everyone assumes is going to need a year to learn the NFL speed and and, and to get up to, you know, get up to speed with it. And I don't think he's there at 26. I think if Jordan Love starts to fall, um, he could go way higher, way higher than 26. Um, when we did our predictive mock draft on the last fourth and gold podcast, we had Dalton Miller from, from bluechipscouting.com. And he came on and said that the Jaguars could be the surprise team and just take Jordan Love because you know, they can let Gardner Minshew play this year, let Jordan Love learn behind him, and then turn the keys over to him. And and I just think that's the kind of thing that's going to happen. I think Jordan Love goes a lot higher than most people predict. Oh, and another team to watch out for Jordan Love, uh, if, if they don't get Tua, the Raiders at, at 19, mm-hmm. if not trading up for Jordan Love, if they don't trade up for Tua. So the Raiders are equally a, a team to pay attention for in the Jordan Love sweepstakes as they are in the Tua sweepstakes. And uh, speaking of trades, uh, John Elway um, today, it is a pre-draft um, press conference. Uh, it was a Zoom press conference, obviously, mm-hmm. given the times. Uh, he said that the logistics of uh, doing the draft virtually um, could uh, make there be less trades than usual. So there will be no more than five trades in the first round due to the complex logistics of conducting the draft virtually. Buy or sell? I'm going to sell. I think there's going to be way more. I know they said there's going to be it's going to be a little difficult, but I think there's just so many teams that want to either move up to get their guy or are willing to move back to stockpile some more picks because I think some teams love this draft more than others. Uh, I think some view it as they can come out, come away with five, six, seven guys that can really contribute, and some are like, this is top heavy. The the, the positions we need, we're only going to fit two or three guys in here. I think there's going to be more. I think it's going to be a lot more seamless than, than than most people think it's going to be. Again, assuming that the GMs don't get kicked off because their kids are playing. But it's just, I think there's going to be more than five trades, and I think we're going to see them early and often. Oh, I totally think so. Plus, uh, NFL PR spokesman Brian McCarthy said on a conference call with reporters over the weekend that the NFL will pause the draft if a team trying to make a trade is experiencing technical difficulties. So that almost assures there will be more than five trades. <laughs> Absolutely. And with five different teams with at least two first round picks, I this is this is unprecedented. We're we're stepping into territory we've never seen before. There's going to be some moves. All right. And uh but today during the mock draft there was a technical glitch as in the NFL's mock draft to test out the virtual equipment for the draft. Uh, but at which caused a two and a half minute delay, and that uh, caused me to overreact a little bit on Twitter. But I'll just uh, um, uh, spread this rumor myself that you either buy it or sell it. The <laughs> first round will last an hour longer than expected due to technical glitches. I'm going to sell. I don't know if it's going to be an hour longer, but like you said, the NFL is willing to pause the draft if they need to fix something for trades, and I feel like that's going to happen at least once or twice. Um, I won't say an hour longer, but I will say it's going to be longer than usual. Uh, just because teams are going to be taking their time to get their picks in. I don't think there's going to be – there's no sprinting to the podium now. So I think it's going to be a little bit slower moving all the way around. But I don't think it's going to cost an hour because of technical difficulties. Oh, I definitely hope uh, you're proven right and too many in the league are proven wrong with the first round and all the rounds running very smoothly in this uh, virtual uh, setting. Uh, a lot of uh, – uh, front office people were very concerned about all these glitches and stuff. I sure hope uh, they're proven wrong and you're proven right. But uh, now, last but not least, when it comes to the buzz, your San Francisco 49ers, who you mentioned uh, not too long ago, they will move back from both 31 and 13 overall, especially if the wide receiver run occurs earlier than expected. I'm going to buy this one 100%. Uh, look, the 49ers pick at 13, 31, and then not again until the fifth round. I understand it's a Super Bowl roster and they don't have a ton of holes to fill, but they have more than two. And I don't think you're going to be able to depend on them hitting on fifth round pick year after year after year, even though that's their track record right now. Um, I definitely see them moving back with Denver. We've talked about it at length. 13 to 15, if Denver wants to jump up and get their guy. And and they, they've been such willing trade partners in the past. I can definitely see that happening. I don't predict them picking at 31 unless 
someone crazy drops. Unless someone is supposed to be a top 15 pick drops to 31, they're definitely getting out of there. They're stockpiling third, fourth, second round picks, whatever they can get. Oh, absolutely. And uh, also look at the the track record. It's not just fifth round picks they fit on with uh, George Kittle and Dre Greenlaw. It's third round picks like uh, Fred Warner, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, the middle rounds is where they've made their money in these last couple drafts because the top half of the drafts have been hit and miss for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But the middle rounds is where they've really struck gold. And that's what they need to continue to do. You know, got to restockpile all these cheap, this cheap talent. And, and doing it through the draft is the way to do it. He is Matt Barr, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the 4th and Gold podcast, a must-listen podcast for both 49ers fans and football fans in general. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore. And Matt... Let's conclude our 2020 Dash of the Draft series with one final mock draft, shall we? Let's do it, my man. All right, so here's how we're going to do this mock. Uh, We're going to alternate picks. I will be making the odd-numbered picks. You'll make the even-numbered picks. And uh, we will uh, mix the schools of thought of what you think teams will do versus what you think teams should do. And especially given the circumstances we're in right now, I think that's the most reasonable way to conduct uh, this this mock draft. Absolutely. Let's rock and roll. All right. Hang on. Just got to get the draft network up. Then we're ready to start. All right. I think you could put this one in Sharpie. Cincinnati Bagels, Joe Burrow, quarterback LSU, the hometown kid, uh, returns home to go pro, and uh, he is the future face of the franchise for the Cincinnati Bagels after putting together one of the most meteoric rises and arguably the best single-season uh, performance by a quarterback in college football history. Joe Burrow to the Bagels in Sharpie, and the Redskins up at two. I think you could put this one in Sharpie, too. Absolutely. It's Chase Young. Uh, you know, Riverboat Ron Rivera is going to get his – defensive line in order that defensive line for the Redskins is sneakily really 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 good and in a very middling NFC East it can take him to the top it's going to be Chase Young no questions asked he gets his defensive guy I think that's exactly what they should do and what they will do oh I completely agree there'll be a 49ers East Coast dare I say with that defensive line once they take Chase Young (laughs) absolutely and now the Detroit Lions are on the clock, and this is a pick that's been for sale. But based on what uh, Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press is reporting, reading between the lines of comments GM Bob Quinn made, uh, it's going to be very tough for the Lions to find a partner, especially with the quarterbacks expected to fall. So I do not expect the Lions to trade down here. And um, word has it that the two guys they're going back and forth uh, considering are Jeffrey Okuda, the corner from Ohio State, easily the best corner in this draft, top five prospect, arguably, and Derek Brown, the uh, defensive lineman from Auburn. Both strike you as a Matt Patricia kind of player, but corner is much more valuable than defensive tackle in the Matt Patricia scheme. Uh, You need a Stephon Gilmore-type player to make that system go, and Jeffrey Okuda is like uh, the next version of Stephon Gilmore, um, uh, as uh, Daniel Jeremiah compared him to Stephon Gilmore. So Jeffrey Okuda here to the Lions at four. New York Giants on the clock. Yep, I think Okuda's the move there. With the Giants, I think they're also going to try and find a trade partner. Um, but with, the, with like you said, with the with the quarterback sets a sets a slide a little bit. I don't think they're going to find someone. Uh, the, the the they're going back and forth. Should it be a tackle? Should it be a linebacker? Should it be which tackle should it be? I think they go with Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. I just think he's the most versatile form, and I think he gives them the best opportunity to keep Daniel Jones upright and to be a a premier run blocker for Saquon Barkley. Yes, uh, I think the reason why they're going to go tackle is because they want support um, for uh, their past two first-round picks. It's Saquon Barkley and uh, Daniel Jones. And Dave Gettleman uh, almost like tipped his head by saying that Saquon needs wider holes, Daniel Jones needs more time to throw. So uh, <laughs> um, uh, that's uh, probably where the Giants um, are headed. With uh, They've been linked to Tristan Wirfs for quite a while, dare I say. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, the buzz has been going around there in Fatchways with Tristan Wirfs since January. And now the Miami Dolphins here. I think they could wait on quarterback. I really do. And the buzz has been building that uh, they're going to take a tackle here. And a tackle that they love, according to Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network, is Andrew Thomas of Georgia. So I'm going to give them Andrew Thomas right here in this mock draft. Okay, I get it. I get it. And I, I completely understand. And that leaves both the quarterbacks here for the Chargers at six. 
And something else, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I don't. I, I think they're ready to roll with uh, Tyrod Taylor, and they'll figure it out. Um, if I were them, and I was making this pick, and it, it fell this way, I would take Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I would round out that defense and just make sure that you can play pounds it out, smash mouth football on the defensive side of the field. I would take Isaiah Simmons here. Um, but since this is thing, uh, I don't know. No, no, no. You could go. It could be either. Like what you think they should do versus will do. It could be either. You got to mix okay. both schools of thought. Gotcha. Okay, well, then I'm going to stick with Isaiah Simmons then. So I, I think he's the most complete linebacker in the draft, not even a question, and, and I think he can take their defense to the next level. So I'm, I'm giving them Isaiah Simmons. Boop, 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 boop. There's our simpatico alert. I talked about this exact same scenario on Saturday night. Michael Lombardi is uh, one of my favorite football minds on the planet. He obviously worked for Bill Walsh in San Francisco as a scout, was an assistant to Al Davis in Oakland, and obviously uh, worked as a personnel officer for Bill Belichick in both Cleveland and New England. Very few people are smarter than Michael Lombardi when it comes to roster building. Uh, and, and by his book, Gridiron Genius, it is a must read. And one of the points he often stresses is make a strength a strength and don't draft for need. Uh, some people say, oh, why are the Chargers drafting Isaiah Simmons? They have a silver player, Derwood James. Boy, BS. That is that kind of thinking is what took the Blazers. Thank you, by the way, um, The Last Dance for a great show last night. God, that's such <laughs> a great film. That way of thinking made the Portland Trailblazers take Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. Need-based picking is terrible. You have to pick the best value and a defense. Imagine a defense with both Isaiah Simmons and Derwin James patrolling the middle. Are you freaking kidding? And plus, Derwin James... One of the main reasons why he fell that far was uh, his injury history. And uh, mm -hmm. as last year showed, uh, he's uh, he, he's not the most durable player there is. So uh, why not double up there and get just as potent a weapon for your defense? So if he goes down again, God forbid, uh, you at least have a uh, you at least have a guy to to, ta to to take his place. And best case scenario, you have a guy to um, line up um, right in front of him as your linebacker or or wherever you want to line him up, because Isaiah Simmons is an ultimate chess piece like Derwin James, and, uh, and both of them could give you the flexibility to use whatever kind of defense you want. So that, I think, is the surprise pick that the Chargers make that will be the least surprising to me. Yeah, I, I've been thinking that for a long time. Like you said, make a strength a strength. You give them such versatility on the defensive side of the ball. And with the elite pass rush they already have, from Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, you really need to capitalize behind him. And, and Isaiah Simmons, Derwin James can create turnovers for you, and that's what can flip games. And, and you don't need to reach for a rookie quarterback here. Tyrod Taylor has proven he can take a team to the playoffs. He did it with Buffalo. He took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs. He's got much better weapons in L.A. If they can make that defense elite, they'll be taking the next step. The Carolina Panthers are here at seven, and while they are a candidate to trade down, uh, the trade down candidates I've heard um, have been uh, the some of the teams that will be picking at the next uh, three or four picks. So we're going to keep the Panthers here for this mock, and uh, they love Isaiah Simmons. But another player that fits that Matt Rule culture is easily Derek Brown from Auburn. Derek Brown is a guy that. Is, works just as hard off the field as he does on it. And he's a leader in the locker room that will help Matt Rule establish that long-term culture that he's trying to build in Carolina. And as Mike Mayock says, when you make the first draft pick uh, in your regime, uh, you have to show the world what a player on your team looks like and smells like. And uh, outside of Isaiah Simmons, it's Derrick Brown for the Panthers. So I'm going to go Derrick Brown for the Panthers. Absolutely. 100% agree. I think that's where he's going to go. I'm not a huge Derrick Brown fan, but... You know, is what it is. Um, it, with Arizona on the clock at eight, they have one job in my mind. And that job is to make sure Kyler Murray doesn't get murdered every play. And what they need to do is they need to get offensive line help and they need it to be starter ready day one. For that reason, I'm taking Jedrick Wills out of Alabama offensive tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. Jedrick Wills to the Arizona Cardinals at eight overall. So that means three tackles are off the board. Uh, so we gave the Panthers Derek Brown and the Cardinals Jedrick Wills. Now this is where I'm going to throw a little curveball here. 
you mentioned uh, that Dalton Miller, who came on your show, thinks the Jaguars are going to draft Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert's here. I he wouldn't is. be surprised if Justin Herbert becomes the second quarterback off the board at nine because as good as Gardner Minshew played last year, I don't think uh, there's enough evidence to suggest that he's a long-term starter, A, and B, you didn't spend a premium draft pick on him. So, and plus, Herbert, this is a good situation for where he can sit behind Gardner Minshew and learn a year or so and then uh, take over the reins uh, in 2021. So uh, I think I'm going to go with Justin Herbert here. The Jaguars could still get a very good player again at 20. And uh, word has it they're looking at a, a corner or a defensive tackle. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Dave Caldwell uh, fools us again and actually does take a quarterback like he fooled us with Blake Bortles in 2014. I think they, go, they could go Justin Herbert here. And for the sake of this exercise, I will give them Justin Herbert at 9. Absolutely. And I can see it happening. You know, like you said, a quarterback needy team, Dalton Miller had Jordan Love there because in our mock, you know, uh, Tua and Justin Herbert were off the board. So they were willing to take, you know, the fourth quarterback at nine. So I think if they're getting the second quarterback at nine, they're ecstatic. Um, now, here's where we're going to we talked about earlier that Atlanta is going to be super aggressive. And I think this is a spot where they might trade up to. If it gets to 10 and a, and Makai Becton is still on the board, I think they jump up and try and get him. So I've got Atlanta jumping up to 16, taking Cleveland's spot, and taking Makai Becton here at 10. Oh, wait a second. They got Jake Matthews still, and they did draft Caleb McGarry last year. They're going to have to like uh, really um, be uh, dissatisfied with either one of them to take a tackle here. And two players that I've heard they could be targeting in a trade-up the most are either Okuda, should they be able to trade up to the top five, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, or C.J. Henderson from Florida. Okay, well, I'll go with that. You know, let's go with that. Let's give them C.J. Henderson from Florida because I do think this is really going to start to get really aggressive, Atlanta, is if it's gotten to 10 and, and their guys are still there. I thought it might be a tackle, but you got corner, so let's go ahead and give them a corner. Let's give them C.J. Henderson here at 10 to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and plus the Browns, uh, they've been uh, with analytics running the show again. There, they want to move this pick. So, um, and plus they might have their eyes on a tackle with a pretty um, coincidental name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they trade out Falcons uh, take C.J. Anderson at ten, and now the Jets at eleven. Oh my God, this is a tough one. The needs at tackle and wide receiver are glaring for the New York Jets. Both George Fant at left tackle and uh, Rashad Perriman are just band aids at each position. You got to help mm-hmm. Sam Donald, but in my opinion, there is a fall off after this tackle, and the Jets could still get a good wide receiver either the second round or trading up into the late first. It's much easier to wait on receiver this draft than it is on tackle. So Mackay Becton to the Jets at 11 to help protect Sam Donald, and then you get him his weapon with like a Denzel Mims or Jalen Rager later. Absolutely. Super deep wide receiver. You got to take a top tackle if he's still there at 11. You got to make sure you protect Sam Darnold, Makai Becton might not be ready to start day one. I mean, he will, but he might not be top tier day one. But I think he has the possibility to develop into one of those top guys. Uh, now, with the Raiders sitting here at 12, we talked about it. Hey, if they get to 12 and two is still there, maybe they stick around. I, I think they go wide receiver. I think they go wide receiver here. I don't think it gets past them. I'm torn between CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. I think I'm going Lamb. I'm going to take Lamb here for the Raiders. I think that's that's who their guy is, and I think that's who they're going to take. Yes, uh, Peter King said in this column that Mike Mayock is enamored with CeeDee Lamb, although I've heard he's enamored with Judy as well, but I expect mm-hmm. I fully expect it to be one of those two uh, receivers. Ed, you mentioned the 49ers trading back for 13. Now, they might like Henry Ruggs a lot. They might like Jerry Judy a lot, but word has it they want out of this pick and uh, – especially if Tampa decides to stay put at 14, they could trade back. But if uh, they're confident that uh, one of the two other receivers could fall to 15, they could make this trade with Denver. And for the sake of it, let's do it. Let's make the Broncos trade up to 13. And the Broncos, a lot of smoke is having them say, oh, they're trading up for Judy or Lamb. No. Word has it, as Ben Albright has been reporting for months, 
they have their eyes on Henry Ruggs because they think he is the perfect complement to Cortland Sutton and that his speed will not op- will open up the field for him, Noah Fant, and Melvin Gordon and all their receiving weapons and will help uh, dictate coverages and put defenses in a bind. So the Broncos and 49ers swap spots and uh, the Broncos in a trade-up with the 49ers select Henry Ruggs at 13. Yeah, I, I've long said that they're coming up for rugs. If the Broncos are moving up, they're moving up for rugs. I think that's what they're going to do, especially if he's still there at 13. The 49ers want to move back. They can get that third rounder back that they sent for Emmanuel Sanders back in October. I think it makes perfect sense for them to trade, be trade partners. Now, the Bucks, I'm not sure about. Because the Bucks have some need to tackle, but it's a little too early to go back to the other tackles. I don't know if they're going to trade out of here with some of the wide receivers still on the board. Ah, man, I'm really lost as to what they might do. So for this, I'm going to give them Javon Kinlaw. And I'm going to give them some interior pressure that they're going to be able to use and they're going to be able to pair on their defensive line to get after quarterbacks in the NFC South. That makes a ton of sense. And uh, Kinlaw, um, yes, they got uh, Vita Vea, uh, but Vita Vea is more of a two-down player with freakish athleticism. He's kind of like more like Dexter Lords. Uh, you need mm-hmm. uh, a long-term compliment to him on the inside. And Adamican Sue is just back on a one-year contract. And Sue, this is likely his final year in tap anyways. You have to get a long-term building block to go with Vita Vea on that defensive line. Todd Bowles really prioritizes interior pressure, and uh, Vita Vea can't do it alone. And, uh, and plus... Uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul is up at age. You need another weapon to get after the quarterback. So Javon Kinlaw, if all the tackles are gone, would make perfect sense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 14 should they decide to stay fit. And now the 49ers are back at 15. It works out perfectly for them here. They um, uh, traded up with De- tr- traded down with the Broncos because they anticipated that this guy would still be on the board, and he is. It's Jerry Judy. And uh, Jerry Judy um, is... Uh, Although uh, they might look at a replacement for Marquise Goodwin, who they're shopping, you have to find a replacement for Emmanuel Sanders, too. Either one of Judy or Ruggs will be an ideal number two or or, or complementary figure to Debo Samuel. So the 49ers should absolutely be content and stay put here and take Jerry Judy at 15 after trading down. Judy's the perfect complement for Shanahan's offense because he separates so well. They don't want Jimmy Garoppolo to try and force the ball into tight windows. They want someone that's going to be wide open. And with the way Kyle Shanahan schemes his route trees, it works out perfectly. Judy is like kind of like Debo Samuel, right? He can play a bunch of different positions. I think they can move him all over the field, and they can use him in the perfect way. And that leaves the Browns on the clock here at 16. And remember, the Falcons traded up with the Browns earlier. And the Browns are kind of stuck in a little bit of a weird spot, too. But I think they're going to go edge pressure here. And I think they're going to take uh, Kalevon... Jason, I'm so bad at that name. I can never pronounce it right. Um, but edge pressure, they're going to need somebody to help Miles Garrett out. Uh, Miles Garrett has been reinstated by the league, I believe. He'll be ready to go week one, but you st- getting after the quarterback is never a bad thing. Oh, most certainly not. And uh, Jason is easily the second best edge rusher this class behind only Chase Young. Yes, there's a sizable drop off, but uh, I think there's a just as big a drop off after Chase to the third best edge rusher. And Olivier Vernon um, is. Uh, pretty long in the tooth, so you you need a rod a Robin to uh, Miles Garrett's Batman. Absolutely, absolutely, and like I said, second best edge rusher in the class. Uh, great leader. If you haven't heard him talk on the LSU sideline, you should go listen. He's a fantastic leader, and I think he fits right in in Cleveland and helps them out right away. We have a trade here. I am going to move the New England Patriots up to seventeen in a trade with the Cowboys because the guy, the Cowboys are targeting, I think could be available for them at 23. Mm-hmm. So we're going to slide the um, Cowboys into 23 and the Patriots, Bill Belichick. Nobody knows a word he's thinking right now. <laughs> I don't think he's completely sold on Jared Stidham. And he knows Nick Saban very well. Very few coaches in the NFL know Nick Saban better than Bill Belichick knows him. He probably was able to pick his brains on Tua Tungavoiloa more than any other team. And if he believes that 
how however long his career is, whether it's a seven to eight year career or a thirteen to fifteen year career for Tua, he could win me the Super Bowl without Brady that I want to win all along. And mm-hmm. we I need the person who could give me the best possible chance to do so, and that is Tua Tagovailoa. He is well worth the risk at this spot. So the Patriots are to trade up with the Cowboys at seventeen. Select Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, and this is what I was talking about. It's right in front of the Dolphins at 18. I don't know if Tua makes it all the way there. Um, With the Dolphins at 18 now, this is a little bit interesting. And I'm going to take a guy that maybe some people aren't going to think is going to go this high. So a lot of people have him tumbling down the boards. I'm going – they traded Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers for this pick, for the 18th pick. I think what they turn around and do is they draft the next – Minka Fitzpatrick, and they draft Xavier McKinney out of Alabama, plays a very similar role, a jack-of-all-trades, can play all over. He's a ball hawk. He's a, he makes he tackles really well in the open field. He can cover in the slot. He does a little bit of everything for your secondary. Brian Flores gets his little chess piece. He can move everywhere around in the defense. I'm giving him Xavier McKinney here at 18. Whoa, that is a very, very good pick at Big Six. I was hoping he would be available for the Cowboys at 23, but then again, this uh, mock is uh, part of uh, total exercise based on what we think teams should do and based on the intelligence that suggests what they will do. And now we got the Raiders back here at 19. They just picked CeeDee Lamb at 12. And the buzz has been real for months here that they're going to take a quarterback with one of their first uh, couple of picks. And Jordan Love is the kind of prospect that I think John Gruden likes because he's that raw guy that Gruden and his ego believes that he can mold into something special. He could sit behind Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota for a year and then take over um, uh, in 2021. This is an ideal situation for Jordan Love to land. And I definitely think that because the Raiders uh, thought about taking Drew Locke last year, uh, he'll definitely love Jordan Love. So I'm going to give the Raiders Jordan Love at 19. Yeah, I can see that happening. I definitely think Love goes in the first round. I know a lot of people don't agree. I think they think he's going to drop, but quarterbacks always go high. They always go higher than most people think they're going to get, and that leaves me with Jacksonville at twenty. So they got Justin Herbert at nine, and you know they got a, a, a great steal of a quarterback at nine with Justin Herbert, and that brings it down to they lost AJ Boye, they lost Jalen Rams, they traded him away. I think they try and fill that role here at 20. And I'm going to take Jeff Gladney for them from TCU. Nice they pick. really have to. They really, really have to just fill that void in the secondary. And, and, and I think Gladney can be that guy that can step in and start day one. Oh, I completely agree. Jeff Gladney, um, he might be the second best corner in this class, uh, not uh, behind only Okuda when all is set and done. He is a dog for your corner, and you want a guy who can lock people down, and he is just adept in zone coverage as he is in man. That's the kind of corner you want. So Jeff Gladney to the Jacksonville Jaguars at 20. And now we come to the Philadelphia Eagles at 21. Now the board is very jumbled here. Uh, Justin Jefferson is still here, but I think Justin Jefferson, I think all this buzz about him rising, uh, although he still will probably go the first round, I think he's more of a slot-only option, and those guys get pushed down, and that's partially why I see a guy like Ruggs going ahead of Jerry Judy, because a lot of teams are concerned that Judy is not going to be as effective on the boundary as he will be in the slot. And you bought a receiver that can uh, that could dominate on the boundary. And the perfect replacement for Alshaw Jeffrey here for the Philadelphia Eagles is Denzel Mims. Mims, uh, some people are saying that he'll blast in a round two, but others are saying that he could go in this range right now. And why not? He uh, is a uh, four-year senior, has a lot of experience playing. He's a athletic freak who just tore up the combine and the senior bowl process. And uh, a, a great wide receivers coach and being at an offense with weapons like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard will put pressure on him to not have to be the go-to guy right away. So, and, uh, and he's the kind of receiver uh, Carson Wentz is going to love th- uh, throwing to. If Wentz loved throwing to Alshon Jeffrey, he'll love Denzel Mibbs because Mibbs is faster. And I think he could have a better career than Alshon when all is said and done. So the Eagles with Denzel Mims at 21. And you just said Justin Jefferson's probably going to go in the first round, and I'm going to take him right here at Minnesota 22. They need to replace Stephon Diggs. This is the pick they traded. Or they got in the trade for Diggs from Buffalo. I, I think they take Justin Jefferson here. They have to restock the, the weapons for Kirk Cousins. They just paid Kirk Cousins big money to extend him. 
They need someone for him to get the ball to. I think Justin Jefferson, while somewhat of a similar receiver to Adam Thielen, I think it's just different enough that he can be used all over the field. Thielen can be used all over the field, and they can interchange in the slot. I'm taking Justin Jefferson here. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, uh, and plus, uh, he's the kind of a wide receiver that Kirk Cousins will probably love throwing to because Cousins, uh, the best wide receivers he's worked with are ones that could get open religiously, whether it was Pierre Garçon and Jameson Crowder in Washington or um, uh, Thielen and Diggs in recent years. That Now you trade Diggs and you get Justin Jefferson to take his place. Uh, that uh, would be a very good pick for the Vikings. Now the Cowboys, while I disappoint Xavier McKinney's not on the board here, this could be perfect value for them to replace... Travis Frederick, who just retired. And uh, there is no better center in this class than Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. Travis Frederick uh, became uh, one of the NFL's best centers to come out of the Big Ten in recent years. The Cowboys follow the exact same playbook and get the quarterback of their offensive line for the next decade with Cesar Ruiz at 23. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, Ruiz is, I'm super high on Ruiz. I think he's going to be an immediate impact player. I don't care what you say about centers. I don't care that they say you can't take a center in the first round. You kid. the center is, like you said, the pilot of the offensive line. He has to be able to, 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 to diagnose what the defense is doing and, and share that information with everyone. Big fan of Ruiz. I think he fits perfectly, absolutely perfectly in Dallas and, and can fill that role that Travis Frederick had. That brings us to the Saints. The Saints are an interesting team. Because they, they have needs that are kind of all over the place. I think they go defense here. I think they're trying to shore up the defense. You know, you got last couple of years you're going to get out of Drew Brees. I'm going to give them Christian Fulton from LSU. They're keeping a hometown guy. He's not going to travel very far. And he's going to bolster that defense. Opposite of, I'm um, blanking on his name right now. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore. That's the one. Marshawn Lattimore out of Ohio State. So I think that. Fulton is going to match up very well with him. They're going to take Fulton here and just keep the defense moving forward. Oh, that is a very interesting pick. Uh, I personally uh, see them uh, going like Patrick Queen from LSU here, or even a wide receiver like Jalen Rager from TCU uh, for a, 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 for like a more of a field stretcher to go in between Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders because the Saints are still in win-now mode. Uh, yes, uh, Fulton Queen would make sense, but I think Jalen Rager, if, uh, this came, if this scenario came to pass, uh, which it probably won't entirely, um, would be a name to watch for the Saints uh, at 24. Daniel Jeremiah himself says that Jalen Rager uh, could go much earlier than anticipated, but this is a mock. We give the Saints Christian Fulton <laughs> at 24, and the Minnesota Vikings are now at 25. Uh, they need a corner, and let's see who uh, Jalen Johnson's, at least uh, as far as the draft network is concerned, is the best corner lot at this point, but he's had injury problems. Noeg Benagany's too raw for this point. A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell, I think, would be a very good Mike Zimmer quarter because he could play both man and zone. And even though he didn't have the best game in the national championship game, he still had some excellent coverage on those LSU wide receivers, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. But Joe Burrow's accuracy just, just won. Great coverage cannot overcome elite accuracy from a quarterback. So his performance in that game was not terrible. And some people believe that he could go in this range, and I think A.J. Terrell would be a perfect pick for the Minnesota Vikings here at 25. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think he fits right in. And that brings us to the Dolphins at 26. And again, a kind of a scattered board here. You're not really sure what you're gonna get. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give them an edge player. I'm gonna give them an edge player. I'm gonna give them one of my top edge guys. I'm gonna give him your turn. Gross Mottos from Penn State, a nonstop motor guy. I think he can step in and just immediately bolster that defense. You know, you get McKinney on the backside. You get Gross Mottos up front. I think this is a big chance that they might trade out here. I'm just not sure who would trade back in. So I'm going to give him Gross Mottos, and we're going to go from there. Okay, Yatur Gross Mottos. Uh, okay, got to just fight him on the board. Yatur Gross Mottos <laughs> from Penn State. There he is to the Dolphins at 26. This is the area where he's been mocked to quite a bit at the Seattle Seahawks at 27 they're a candidate to that uh trade to trade out of the first round they almost always do and I am going to make them trade at the Cleveland Browns using the ammo they get from the Falcons um uh, the Falcons gave them quite a bit of ammo let's assume we'll use that ammo to trade back up here to select the tackle of their choice and that is 
be coincidentally named Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. I'm not saying I would do that, but that's what I think I'm going to do, and that for the sake of uh, where I, how I see these uh, second-tier tackles being drafted in this part of the draft, this is a scenario we have to address in this mock. So Ezra Cleveland to Cleveland. Makes perfect sense. And, and the way this mock fell for the Baltimore Ravens, they can't be happier. They cannot be happier. They have such a needed linebacker. I passed on Patrick Queen with the Saints earlier. I'm not passing on him again. I'm giving the Ravens the the pick LSU linebacker, Patrick Queen. You can't sprint to the podium anymore, but they're going to furiously type in their pick and send it in immediately if Queen is still there. Oh, absolutely. If Queen gets by the Saints at 24, I personally do not see him falling past Baltimore at 28. I personally think he's the best uh, off-ball linebacker in this class. Uh, if you don't count Isaiah Simmons as a linebacker, that is. Uh, he is the perfect long-term replacement for uh, C.J. Uh, Mosley. And uh, you got the Tennessee Titans on the clock right now. And they're a candidate to um, potentially trade out. But I think... They would be wise to stay put here and take Mike. Mike Vrabel wants guys who could bully the line of scrimmage. You just traded away Jarrell Casey, and as great as Jeffrey Simmons is and can be, he needs a sidekick on that interior defensive line. And while taking an edge here like a Zach Bond would be good, Ross Blacklock out of TCU makes a ton of sense here. Uh, like putting him and Jeffrey Simmons in that front three, I think will uh, not just uh, uh, be difficult to for running backs, it'll be difficult for passing games with those guys pushing the pocket from in, the inside. So Ross Blacklock and uh, Jeffrey Simmons. I really like that pick. I like you having Blacklock sneak into the first round. I think he will. I really like his game. Um, someone to keep an eye on. San Francisco at 31, if they choose to st stand pat and trade out and not trade out, which I think they're going to do, but if they stand pat, that is one. They've met with him multiple times. Uh, that brings us to the Packers at 30. They need a target for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had so many drops from his wide receivers last year, and he, has, he just has to be absolutely sick to his stomach. You mentioned Jalen Rager might be going higher than we think, and I think this is where he goes. Wide receiver at a TCU, I think you're just going to give you're just going to give Aaron Rodgers another target to compliment Devontae Adams. They need it desperately. I think they are standing pat here, and they're taking the best wide receiver available. Oh, I completely agree, and uh, like Rager is the best burner wide receiver of this class, not named Henry Ruggs. And he is, you, just like Henry Ruggs would be the perfect complement to Cortland Sutton in Denver, Jalen Rager, the exact same thing to Devontae Adams in Green Bay. And now the 49ers here. And I think this is a scenario that could unfold on draft night, and I just want to spill it. The 49ers got the pick they back for, that they gave up for Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos by trading down from 13 to 15. They trade out of 31, giving, and the Broncos give them in return both of their remaining thirds and their second in 2021. Broncos will still have 46, but the 49ers will be armed with three third-round picks after this. So this is a plausible scenario, in my opinion. Not likely, but plausible. So let's say the Broncos trade up again using that compensation. And Albert Breer reported this morning that uh, they want to get rid of Garrett Bowles. They believe that uh, he's uh, maxed out and uh, and he's not the long-term answer at left tackle. He's been too inconsistent. And they get a project that is much more coachable for Mike Budchak to develop. And that guy is Josh Jones from Houston. So Denver trades up with San Francisco again to take offensive tackle from Houston, Josh Jones. I can absolutely see it. I think that's what's going to come to pass. I really do think the 49ers trade out. I think if Josh Jones is there, I think it's going to be a huge target for someone to trade up and get him. I don't know if it's Denver. It makes complete sense to get rid of Garrett Holds. Uh, <laughs> you know, but but I can see Josh Jones going here at the end. I think tackles – the top end of the tackles this year is really, really strong. And uh, I, I think that that's, that's definitely a move that I can see happening. That brings us to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. That hurts me to say. It hurts you to hear. Yeah. I know. But anyway, we're here with them. And this is where I'm just going to go kind of fun with this one because we never really know what the last pick in the draft is going to – last pick in the first round is going to be. The Chiefs are a pretty, pretty solid team. They're a pretty solid team all the way around, right? They just won the Super Bowl naturally. I'm thinking this is a, this is a time where maybe they get a little crazy here. 
they have a little bit of a need at running back. And I think if you can restock a running back, get him on five years, that way you can hold on to him. I don't value running backs like this, but I know Andy Reid loves to utilize his guys in the passing game, and he wants some. He wants a cheap weapon that he can pair with Patrick Mahomes once you have to break the bank for him. I'm going to give them Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. And I think they're going to go running back here, and I think they're just trying to restock the weapons before all these guys have to get paid and leave. Yes, uh, if they uh, stay, stay put at 32 and they don't like a corner – and Cesar Ruiz isn't there, they could easily go running back. And why I personally do not think it will be John Taylor, I personally think it would be a guy like DeAndre Swift, but I don't know Andy Reid, and this is a mock, so we give the Chiefs <laughs> Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin to conclude our final mock draft of 2020. Matt Barr, ladies and gentlemen, of the 4th Ad Gold Podcast, Matt Barr underscore on Twitter. Matt, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, man, and... Uh, can't wait for the draft, man. Hope uh, it's an enjoyable experience for you. Yeah, the 49ers have a lot of stuff to do, man. So this is going to be fun to watch. I, I think this is – we didn't have a whole lot of trades. We had some trades. I think there's going to be more than what we had. But, you know, this is – I think we hit pretty much most of the needs pretty well. I agree. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back Thursday at 7.45 p.m. Eastern Time on the dot for our 2020 NFL Draft live stream. Bill Rossetti of Pro Football Network will be joining me then to analyze each and every pick in depth the moment after they're announced. Don't worry, we will, will not be tipping picks. We will wait for Roger Goodell to announce them to keep the drama alive. And the link to the live stream is currently atop both our Instagram and Facebook pages. And I will put it on my Twitter account shortly after this podcast is done being recorded. And we hope you'll join us Thursday night as this unprecedented draft unfolds. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Matt. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 for Matt Barr, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome, stay home, wash those hands, stay happy, and stay healthy. Enjoy the draft, everybody. See you Thursday night. <laughs>